and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. This is episode 212, and we have Nick back in the house. How's it going, Ari? Uh, it's good, Nick, and we are, we are very much remote now. Nick is uh, in L.A., I uh, was there for a couple of trips. Actually, was in Utah and L.A., and uh, I'm here in New York City at the Amazon, uh, the Amazon, uh, what is it called? The Amazon Loft? Loft. Yeah, the Loft. Yeah, so this is a free co-working space. We, you know, Nick and I are all about leans, well, I think we take it beyond lean startup. This is like super, super lean startup. And we had a $1,500 office. And then we were considering a $99 a month plan with Croissant, which is a great thing. But we ended up using a free office space here at the Amazon loft on West Broadway. (laughs) It's not even like us trying to be lean necessarily. It's just like where we live and it's just as good as the other. So didn't make sense. Money aside, it didn't make sense. Yeah. So anyway, um, so we've got the interview today is with Jason Wachow, who is the founder of Mind Body Green, and he wrote the book Wealthy, uh, which wealthy being like wellness. Uh, It's a great book. It's it's very much in in, in, sort of in line with with Ariana Huffington's Thrive book and taking a different approach to your wellness from a holistic viewpoint and uh, different pillars and relationships and everything. It's and it's really good. And Jason is a really interesting guy, and uh, it was a good interview. But we have a lot to talk about today. So before, actually, I'll share, we'll break it up today. I'll do a couple links and then we'll talk about some of the other stuff that's going on with us. Uh, and the first one is, I didn't actually have this as a link here. I talked about this on the boot camp this week, but have you seen, uh, Nick, the Cubetto? No. What is that? Okay. So I, I just, I thought this was interesting and it's worthwhile discussing here on the podcast. It's a Kickstarter project, which I think will be over this week. So if, when you listen to the podcast that releases on Wednesday, this, this, this episode, you can still get in on it. It is a uh, physical device that teaches three-year-olds to code. Huh. It's really, really cool. And what I was... It, Did you get one for the kids? Of course. Of course. Uh, it's, it's wood and it's got these like... It's, it's, a, it's a programming language that's related. I forgot what they related to it. It's, it's a new programming language. But it's it's uh, similar to something else. And uh, you can literally see like a three-year-old figuring out how uh, the if this if then statements and like, it's, it's amazing. Um, and I just, it, it got me thinking, I struggled through 14 years of French lessons or French class when I was in high school or, you know, school and in college. And, I wish I had learned how to code. Like it's such a, it's a, especially now it's such a valuable thing. And I talked, I talked about this in the bootcamp. I talked about how you coded our first dashboard and how like, it's just, I, I think that as a language, we should be teaching kids to code. It's funny you said that because when I, as you know, I lived, I lived in Tokyo for a few years and uh, I had the choice basically to get free Japanese lessons working at the bank. And I opted to not do it and just learn Python, which is a coding language because you know, there's only so much time you, there's only so much bandwidth I can have and I have to choose one or the other. And uh, to me, like learning a coding language is super, super valuable. And it, it, languages don't come easy to me. Like I took Spanish for a long time as, as long as you did French. I, I did Hebrew for over 12 years and I, I can't even speak it. And coding even took a long time for me to get good at. And then it kind of just clicked one day and then all of a sudden, you know, I can do a dashboard in a day. So, Well, and what, what language did you learn initially? Well, in high school, I did AP C++. 
yeah. which I found, I found really hard at first. It really wasn't natural for me. Like it's the type of thing at the bank. I did Python for eight years like that. And that, that also, um, it's a scripting language. It's a lot more similar. It's a lot more simple than C++. And again, like it, it took a little while, but then once it just kind of, once it clicked, it, it clicked. And then, you know, uh, I was, you know, doing whatever I needed to do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll teach you, I'll teach you some coding on the side. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I mean, part of it is motivation, right? Too. Is like, I, I speak French now really well because I have a French wife. Um, I, when I was taking French in school and college, like, I just didn't really care. Uh, whereas something like coding, it's not only, I think it just teaches you to think in a different way. And also it's, it's a, it's an actual marketable skill, right? <laughs> like, it's a yeah. Great to have. So, uh, anyway, Definitely. I just thought this was a real, it's such a cool device. So, uh, okay. So the other thing, uh, the first link I want to tell everybody about is it's called privacy.com. And, uh, this is something on our list to actually look at, but basically you can get a virtual, a new virtual credit card for every single transaction you do, which is really interesting. It's a browser extension. So basically you go to sign up for a service, you get a unique credit card number that is tied to your account that, so it's essentially like unstealable, you know, cause it's a one-time use credit card uh, and you can use it for subscriptions. But like one of the things they have is it says you never forget to cancel one of those pesky 30 day free trials. Cause essentially you can like end the card after a month, you can mask your spending, you have complete control. You can set charging limits. Um, so this is, you know, we know that there's still not like a really good solution as far as we're concerned for our virtual assistants to be purchasing things for clients. And we, you know, we figured out our own ways around that, but it is something that companies still deal with. I, I don't necessarily think this is the solution, but it is a really interesting approach to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, privacy is more and more of a concern these days, so I, uh, we should give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the next thing, there's an article on the next web uh, about how to, how to craft the, I like this, how to craft the perfect playlist for productivity. So I, I've, I said this a little while ago in the, in the boot camp, but uh, I find personally, like I, I've tried all sorts of different nootropics and some of them I think are good and some of them don't work for me, but quite honestly, like the right playlist on Pandora makes me more productive than anything else. Like really Essentially, like workout pop music is, is what it takes to get me really, like really juiced up. Do you, do you ever? Do you, what about you? Do you have like a music? I, I read that. I read that article too. I don't know. Uh, like when I used to go into like math exams, I'd listen to like the Eight Mile track from Eminem. Uh huh. <laughs> like think I'm gonna go and like just tackle the shit out of this uh, math math exam. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess like some pump up music uh, I like to listen to, but. I don't know. Doesn't it's not that's not the game changer. Really, for me, it's like coffee does the trick, and then everything else is secondary. Well, that's fortunate. Um, <laughs> but what I liked about this article is they actually broke it down. So they said for simple, repetitive tasks like answering emails, which I, I thought that was funny actually that they gave that as a task. Uh, you should listen to songs that make you happy. For problem solving tasks like writing, web design, drawing, you should do songs that are paced at fifty to eighty beats per minute with minimal lyrics. <laughs> Yeah, I did find that interesting. Like that, it's it's not they don't break it down to genre. It's the uh, it's it's more uh, quantitative. Like how exactly like what the speed of the sound is. So yeah, that was interesting. And then learning something new, you want to listen to classical, instrumental, or no music at all. So it's funny because I. So I find classical music very distracting. Actually, it's one of the reasons that I don't like uh, uh, what's it focus. 
focus.fm or oh focus at will focus at will which is that website that will play you know neurologically uh focusing music and a lot of it's classical and i find it really distracting so i just thought it was a cool way that they broke it down why don't you give us a calvin update because i personally been using calvin more and more even with stuff with you now yeah, i mean it's it's working like me and you are making regular plans people are making regular plans we're just slowly uh rolling it out looking at the the stats pretty closely it's pretty interesting that we're we're finding that we're getting a two-third response rate on events which i think i don't know what like the industry standard is for text and email but i think it, it sounds to me like it's a quite high starting point and it seems like a lot of people are using it for like the typical use case seems so far to be like three or four people for a dinner um really? but we'll, yeah we'll see we'll see how it plays out but that seems to be like the most popular type of event and I talked to you about this this stat, but it also seems like the usage is increasing from a Sunday to a Wednesday and then decreasing from a Wednesday to a Sunday. And I'm trying to figure out if that just means tend to be making their plans at the beginning of the week and then actually doing the plans towards the end of the week. I'm still trying to figure out what that means, but it, it, everything aside, it is giving some really interesting insights into how planning is, is done. It's uh, very interesting. Um, and I think that that's, that is a big part of it is the metrics that you're going to get out of this in terms of like how people make plans. The Monday through, this is, the Sunday through Wednesday thing is, is surprising to me. I feel like, well, actually I, I guess I was just going to say, I feel like people make like more last minute plans for dinners and stuff, but I guess that's not true. Like you want to get your weekend plans figured out early, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause Kevin's not really like a, Hey, who's free in the next right. two hour type of thing. It's the planning tool. Like mean, meaning like, you know, three, three days to a week out you're making plans. So uh, to me, like the story is just, you know, people schedule their weekends in the beginning of the week and then they're not doing much scheduling on the weekends cause they're busy doing the plans. So We'll see how it goes, but I'm um, excited, and uh, it seems to be it seems to be adding value for people. So now we're just rolling out new features, like the one that you suggested, like adding the location to the calendar event, a handful of others. But if if anyone, if you guys have any suggestions, please email nick at calvinapp.com, and I would love to hear what kind of feature requests or piece of feedback you have. One thing that we are considering to do too. From a coding standpoint, is we are looking at this thing called React Native. The the backend has been patched for so long that we we are looking into this. It's it's a JavaScript based, and basically, um, I think it's what Facebook is coded on. And well, it's it, sorry, it's not a backend. It's it's a front end. It's JavaScript. Uh, so instead of coding it in Swift, which would, is what it's coded in, if we switch to React Native, then we get Android, a web version, and an iOS version all all at once. So we're, we're looking into that. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, definitely download Calvin at uh, calvinapp.com and check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So oh, what? Go ahead. I, I saw, I've been playing around with this new app. I haven't spent too much time. Have you heard of an app called Flipped? No. It's similar to that app for writing, like where if you, where if you don't write for like five seconds, it deletes the whole thing. Uh-huh. This one, this one, it, it locks your phone. So you just can't open your phone during certain periods of the day. Wait, like, like at all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I use my phone a little bit too much. So <laughs> for me, I think it's gonna be helpful, but uh, yeah, you can just like completely like lock yourself out. 
And how do you, I mean, what if there's like an emergency? I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, I only just downloaded it the other day. So far, I, there's a premium version, so I'm not saying. And, and you bricked your phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like for the non-paid version, you, you can't just really lock yourself out, but it keeps stats. Like you say like, okay, I want to not use it for 30 minutes. And then it's like a timer counting. And if you don't use it for 30 minutes, you get like some acknowledgement. And if you do, then it's like you have an X and you can see stats on you know, if you're able to not open your phone or not, I, I think on the premium one though, you, it actually can like lock it out and maybe there's some exceptions. Like if there's an emergency, then that's funny. But, and also like to me, to me, like there, there's, there's solutions like that. Like you can lock it in a drawer or something and give someone the key. Like how, how bad a situation are you? Like how bad are you? If that's what you need. <laughs> I need an app to stop me from using apps. <laughs> that's, their yeah. that's their marketplace yeah <laughs> okay uh, there's also uh, always the the, uh, the pavlock but uh okay uh, well actually speaking of the of not not quite an app but did you get the new update to the ios uh, ios uh, 9 with the with the night shift mode yeah have you tried it I tried it. I mean, it's similar to that flux that, exactly. that, uh, that we have on our computers. Yeah. So the, the thing is, is people have to understand that, that it really doesn't work the way you think it does. Um, it definitely makes the phone less jarring if you're looking at it at night, but you're still getting blue light if you're looking at an artificial lighting source. On screen. You know, so it, it, it's going to reduce it, but it's, it, to me, that's like the difference between driving off a cliff in your car and driving off a cliff in your car with your seatbelt on. Like it's not really gonna make, gonna make or break you. So, or like smoking light cigarettes, right? That's a good. That's a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. So basically, um, I, the better thing is still to wear the blue blocking sunglasses, uh, or uh, you could use a blue blocking screen filter on your phone. That's okay too. Uh, so, that's cool. okay about that. But it is true that if in the middle of the night you want to look at your phone and you don't have the glasses on, like it's not going to be this really jarring white screen. The orange is a little bit less, uh, or not soothing, but it's just less jarring. Uh, okay, so this is a random one, but it's called doers.coffee, uh, which is, by the way, I didn't know there was a .coffee domain name. Uh, and basically it is uh, custom blended and roasted coffee by subscription. And Looking that one up. Yeah, so uh, it's D-O-E-R-S dot coffee. And you can get it in a bag uh, or you can get it in actual co like coffee capsules for an espresso. But so you basically, and you can tweak the roast to whatever you like, which is, I think it's kind of cool. Uh, it, it's not expensive either. Like a, a, a bag um, is $12 for a bag. Of, uh, it's, it's not, I don't think it's a pound, but it's maybe half a pound. And... I like so weird that what? so weird the dot coffee extension. I know, I know. Um, there's a bunch like that now, but uh, to me, like this is interesting because I really like like a very very dark roast coffee. Like I like I like a lot of flavor in my coffee. You like it dark, huh? I like it dark. The dark. What, what is it? The dark of the berry, the sweet of the juice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that in movies, so it can't be too bad. Uh, anyway, so I didn't think this is kind of cool. You can play around with it. And, and I'm always talking about customization with less doing, and you might as well get exactly what you want. And uh, this is a way to do it. So, uh, so. I kind of like the website, too. It's, it's kind of a little bit similar to the new website we're about to revamp. So 
yes, yes. And there will be a less a new less doing website coming in the uh, near future. Uh, okay, so then the next one. <laughs> this is okay. This is a great product with a terrible name. Um, it's called. It's a new airplane. I, I think I mentioned this to you in conversation, but it's a new airplane that's going to be the fastest passenger airplane ever. So it's actually faster than the Concorde was. We'll do Mach 2.2, which is pretty much like four times faster, or sorry, 2.6 times faster than a regular airliner. So mm-hmm. it does 1,451 miles per hour. And what I love, so, okay, so it's a great idea. The, 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 the plane is called the Boom, <laughs> which... I think it's really bad for an airplane. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's sonic boom, right? Of course, it's a sonic boom, but it's like, I think a lot of people <laughs> think explosion. Uh, do you have to, like, can anyone take it? I mean, if you're going at that speed, like, I wonder if you have to, like, be somewhat, like, your body has to be somewhat trained or you have to be physically, like, fit enough to, to do something like that. No, well, I mean, you know, you know that the, I mean, the human body does not sense motion at a constant speed. It only can sense acceleration. Yeah. So, I, I, assuming they're not launching this off a platform, like I think, I think it's okay. Um, I've also, I've like, I've flown the Concorde when I was much younger. I think when I was five years old, we flew the Concorde to, to London, and it was. I remember it. It was really, really cool. And this is faster. But what I really like about the website is that they really present this as like a time-saving thing and a, an efficiency thing. I mean, obviously you're going to save time, but like, it, so they have three examples, which I thought were great. Leave New York at 6 a.m., make afternoon and dinner meetings in London, and be home in time to tuck the kids into bed. That's pretty cool. Uh, and then they have San Francisco to Tokyo. So leave San Francisco mid-morning, have five hours of morning meetings in Tokyo, and be home before midnight. 4.7 hours from uh, San Francisco to Tokyo and then that's, that's amazing I know yeah and then LA to Sydney is 6 hours so they say leave Los Angeles at 7am enjoy an operetta in Sydney and be back before midnight uh, when is this coming out? I, yeah um, they're building it now I mean it, it, we're due for a new plane like that I mean if you think about it plane, planes haven't really changed that much in the last 30 years so no they really haven't so it's this is amazing cool i want to check it out yeah yeah absolutely so uh okay i got a couple more here oh this one i this one i really want to play with but i want to mention it to people so it's api on ai and it's a it's you can conversational slack bot so you know obviously we love slack uh but this one is really interesting because this basically seems like you can you can a conversational bot without coding you essentially just you're more or less just like talking to it or you know communicating with it and it learns naturally what what it should say so like you can have, like the, the example they give is ordering a pizza so if somebody says like they want to order something like it, it knows what that means and where they are they want and whatever um it's just something interesting for us to look at for the va service but you can build a conversational bot really for anything like if you're in a company that needs a particular kind of data on a regular basis or if you just want stock quotes like i mean obviously there's a lot of ways to do that but you can build a conversational bot so that people don't have to know any um any uh commands or anything well i mean first of all like we're gonna move into that we're gonna move into that for sure in in the coming future like yeah. Before any task gets assigned, it's probably going to be scraped by some type of bot. But even any company could use that because when you um, onboard new employees for training purposes, first an employee, if they have a question, they could be talking to a bot that could be looking up you know, in an Evernote manual or whatever it is, answers to common questions. So it'll save time training people as well. 
Yeah, cool. Okay. Well, I mean, I, that, I, I think that's where so many things are heading in general. So get to play around with this. Yeah, definitely. There's a bunch of other ones too, not just that, that we've been looking into. I haven't had time to seriously sit down, but there's a lot of these like extensions to make it easier to build a bot. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, I mean, this goes back to the conversation before about coding too. Like it's just, we need to be, everyone I think should be thinking about how they can build like a bot version of themselves for a lot of the stuff that they do. It goes in hand in hand with less doing philosophy of getting rid of 70% of the things that you're doing because you can, you know, we're always trying to get people to outsource more, but obviously the more that we can automate, the better. And you know, you've said it a thousand times about how that makes things error proof and it saves time and saves your mind space. I think this is one way to do it. If people can start almost creating their own like conversational bots version of themselves, because there's all sorts of things that we do that are repetitive. Yeah, definitely. Right? So, um, I, oh, this is a random one. I didn't mean to mention, I didn't expect to mention this, but uh, Nick and I have reserved our Teslas. Independently. <laughs> without, without talking, we both did the same reservation. Like, did you see the Tesla? Yeah, yeah. Did you reserve one? Of course. Yeah, me too. That was, that was pretty much how the conversation went. And if you haven't seen it, because you... I, I don't know how you wouldn't have it, but the new Tesla is going to be so amazing. And after incentives and rebates and everything, you can pretty much get it for about $27,000. It's, it's an incredible, incredible like leap forward for automation. How, how do you apply for these? How, how do we, how do you apply for those rebates? Actually, that's a great task for a VA to do for, for someone, right? If they, if any of our clients have reserved a Tesla VA could handle applying for all these rebates to save them the, the few thousand dollars. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, so uh, anyway, I, I just love it. Um, and also this is another one I didn't mean to mention, but I thought that you particularly would love this. Uh, I think this is such a great idea. That someone, this mother created a dining group uh, in, in here in New York City and, and in London. I know it's not launched yet. It's, um, it's, they're building it up right now to build a list. But essentially what they do is they book like a Michelin star restaurant and they book out the whole restaurant and it's for parents and their kids. So it's like, it's not, you know, it's not like it's a kid friendly restaurant, but essentially they're making it so that you can bring your toddlers to a restaurant and everyone can eat together. That's cool. But I mean, at the same time, like a toddler is not going to really be able to appreciate that type of meal. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, there's that argument, of course, but I mean, they say in the article, they're like, uh, the best, the best of all is that little Stuyvesant can finally try her first bite of green garlic creme fraiche with 20 of her adventurous toddler friends. <laughs> I think you, I, I think you have to be in a certain, uh, social class to really be able to justify taking a toddler to a one-star Michelin restaurant. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a toddler to a one-star Michelin Right, but so and, and that's, that's a, a cool point. idea. Though. But I think it's a good idea. It doesn't have to be a Michelin star restaurant, by the way. Yeah. But the idea of you know booking out a restaurant so that parents can come with their kids and like not be worried about you know disturbing other owners and all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. Speaking of Michelin uh, restaurants, I, I just got back from Utah and Summit, and um, which, by the way, I highly recommend Summit for this this skiing. I didn't do the cruise or any of that stuff, but it was some of the best skiing I've ever done, and. They have a three-star Michelin chef on the premises that's opened up all the restaurants on the mountain. There's literally nothing there. And these restaurants are awesome. He was the chef um, at Rubishan in Tokyo and then Gordon Ramsay in Tokyo, both which I coincidentally ate at when I was in Tokyo when he was the chef. 
Um, and it, his food was excellent. The whole experience of the trip was excellent. So highly, highly recommend Summit. Yeah, nice. Uh, and I've, I've, I have not been on the boat, but I've been to the, let's see, I was in Miami and D.C. So I've definitely been involved with Summit Series. Uh, okay, so I got well, two more here. The, 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 this one was in Time Magazine. It was about uh, showering. And this is something I've talked about before, but I don't, I don't shower every day, nor do I recommend this. Uh, and I think that it's, it's... That explains the weird smell when we work together. Yeah, exactly. No, I do not smell. That's, that's the thing is that I, I think it's much... It's just better for your skin in general. Like I've had a lot of people who have had eczema. I was one of them. And a lot of it's because of showering too often with really, really hot water. So yeah, the idea of like daily showering is sort of a, um, a modern construct. And there's so many autoimmune illnesses that are related to hyper clean environment. So it doesn't mean that you should not shower at all, <laughs> but don't assume that you have to do it every day. I don't know. But part, part of like me starting my day, uh, Apart from the coffee thing, it's like if I don't shower, I kind of feel like I haven't started the day yet. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, it's part of a routine for a lot of people. But yeah. uh, well, but then the other thing though is, and do you do a really hot shower? Not really hot. No. So, Sometimes at the end, I'll make it a little cold. A little, a little bit. <laughs> well, you should try taking a cold shower then. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is also soap as well. It's like so, even if you do shower every day, you don't have to use soap every time that's another one yeah i've heard that so um okay and then the very last one this this i, I really like this one it was in the new yorker and it was about um it was basically about self-help books but it was focused on this new book by uh, charles duhigg called the uh smarter faster better the secrets of being productive in life and business huh. he did the power of habit right exactly so have you read that yeah yeah okay so what i really i mean i've i've I flipped through the book when I was at Barnes and Noble the other day. But what I like about this article is that they're basically saying that um, all the things that they recommend in these kinds of books and this book also, it's it's like you, you really can't disagree with it, and because it's all just like good advice, but it's not like anything amazing. <laughs> so they're like, oh, and you know, he recommends uh, uh, bias towards action and smart goals versus stretch goals and the concept of psychological safety. And they say there's not much to disagree with here. And that is one of the intriguing things about this genre, uh, the genre this book belongs to. Not dozens or hundreds, but thousands of titles like Smarter, Faster, Better are published every year, and they account for a disproportionate percentage of total book sales. Yet they mainly reiterate common sense. <laughs> so it's like, does anybody think it's unwise to be lean, nimble, and innovative? Who needs a book to know that rote behavior and fear of uncertainty are not going to take us very far? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Is it on Blinkist? I don't. I, I stopped subscribing to Blinkist, but like, that's a, that's like another argument why you should just get Blinkist because instead of investing all that time reading it in like two hundred pages of the same type of thing, at least cut it down to ten pages. Well, so, so they give an example of uh, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Do you do you read that? Is that the same guy that wrote uh, the book Getting Getting to Yes or Getting Past No? Yes, I read uh, Getting Past No. Okay, so, so he wrote he wrote this how to how to win friends and influence people in 1936, and uh, it sold like million copies. <laughs> this is this is what they wrote. They're like, I can tell you the lesson of the book in one sentence. If you're nice to people, they will like you. You save yourself sixteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, it, it's true. All these books. 
all these books, I mean, if you get a 200 page book, I mean, it's literally 190 something pages of fluff. Well, so actually, you know, the uh, average in in all like self-help books and self-improvement books, the guess how many, on average, how many pages of actual content there is? Four. Twelve. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, and the thing is, a lot of it is regurgitations of other stuff, and 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 that that's what interests me about the book that we're writing right now because it's going to be different, and it's we're giving basically like a story of how we started a company from start to finish, like the mis- not just like the the achievements, but also the mistakes too. Um, so for for me, like that was what was interesting, like. It's not just another one of these things where it's like, hey, you have to iterate quickly, break things and move fast and test. It's actually showing what we tested and, you know, what the logic was behind implementing each thing. Yeah. So maybe, you know, instead of 12 pages of content, we might have 20. (laughs) No, I think it'll... (laughs) No, I think... (laughs) It's a joke. I think we're going to actually have a full book of content. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I mean, it, it, your point before about like Blinkist, yeah, I don't subscribe to Blinkist either anymore, but uh, there's a number of those out there. There's Blinkist, there's Get Abstract. The one that I actually really like is Philosopher Notes by Brian Johnson. Uh, it's usually like two or three page PDF and, and then like a 20 minute uh, audio actually talking about the book. And that, those I do really like. But yeah, you pull out like those, it's not only is only that there's like those three or four like nuggets that you really want to know about, but those are the only ones you would remember anyway. In a lot of yeah. um, so it just it ends with a, a, what I thought was really funny, which basically like in his in the power of habit, which you you said you read it or no? I did. I did read it. Okay, so you remember the 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 cookie, the, the eating the cookie in the afternoon? Do you remember that? Eating the cookie in the afternoon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so for people who don't remember this, and this is in this article, but I I, I do remember this. I thought it was funny. <laughs> Apparently, every afternoon he would interrupt his work to have a chocolate chip cookie. So to 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 figure out why that was, he did a time and motion study, which is like you know something they were doing a hundred years ago in factories. Uh, and basically, after several days of documenting the events leading up to the purchase and consumption of the cookie, he decided that he regularly wanted a distraction from his work at a certain time of day, and that led him, other options not presenting themselves, to take a cookie break. He found to use that time every afternoon to chat with a colleague instead. He soon found that he no longer needed the cookie. He had management theorized himself into becoming a more disciplined person. And then they write, the story made me sad, Mr. Duhigg. Charles, life is short. Eat the cookie. <laughs> I thought it was really good. Um, I mean, that, that was a good book too, but I mean, it wasn't 200 pages of content either. No. Let's be let's be honest. No, absolutely not. So, yeah. anyway, so that's all I've got for links for this week. There was a bunch, but we got through it, so that was great. And uh, I'm on on my side. The only um, the only thing I wanted to point out was. I'm getting more and more impressed with, with Chargeify, which is what we're using for payment processing. Um, and there's so many features, like we're still learning how to even use this tool to its full capacity. But uh, one neat thing we found this week was you can um, enable a billing portal so that, uh, so, that you can, so that the client can see a history of any invoice that they previously should have gotten because some sometimes we're getting emails from clients like hey can you send me an invoice for tax purposes so now i just enabled this billing portal and now they have access and can get whatever invoice they want and another thing that that's really cool that we just did is um enabled a referral system 
So they have the ability that each um, client has a unique referral code. And now when someone signs up, they get paid $129. And then also we set it up so that the person they're referring gets $129. Okay. So um, it's really, really cool. Yeah. No, and and Chargeify has been a real game changer for us in a lot of ways, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's it for me. Okay, great. Well, uh, enjoy the rest of your time in LA. And well, I'm coming back tonight. I'll see you. I'll see you this week. Yeah. Okay. Finally. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening in, and we'll see you next week. See ya. The Let's Doing Podcast pulls together the top experts in the industry to help you optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, so you can start doing the things you really want to do again. What would you do? If you could only work an hour a day, would you crumble or would you thrive? When I was sick with Crohn's disease, I was faced with that reality because there were days when I literally couldn't eke out more than an hour of work a day. And I had to figure out ways to not only get everything done, but get more done than I was doing before. And that is how less doing was born. Less doing is about you. It's the easiest way to learn and implement a huge amount of productivity tips into your life in a short amount of time. Whether you're a crazy busy business owner, a tired executive in a large company, or a stressed out soccer mom, we've brought it all together for you to help you overcome the overwhelm in your life. For the latest how-tos and actual tips on becoming more productive, sign up for my newsletter over at lessdoing.com. But I want to offer you all something more. As listeners of this podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to get on the phone with one of my less doing certified coaches. I've trained each one of them myself and they really know what they're doing. The first call is completely free and you will get some real advice and tips on how you can be more productive in your life and get back to making things easier again. Thanks for listening and now enjoy the interview. So now I'm speaking with Jason Walkup, who is the founder of Mind Body Green and also the author of a new book called Wealth, and that's Wealth with W E L L T H, and a new take on health and happiness. So, uh, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks so much, Ari, for having me. Big fan of you and less doing. So honored to be here with you. Well, thank you, thank you, and you would be a big fan because you are a very tall individual. So, yes, <laughs> um, and uh, literally a big fan. Yes, exactly. So, uh, well, thank you for saying that. And uh, before we get to the book, let's talk about my body green a little bit because sure. you know I know that it's 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 probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, source in my world for health and wellness news and everything for a, a better holistic lifestyle. And you guys put out such great content. But can you just talk about how it got started and how you got into that? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so I'll give you the, the, the shortest long version. So I'm 41. I went to Columbia University. I played basketball there. I then became a trader. I traded equities for five years because back in 1998, uh, that's what people did when they went to good schools. You either worked on Wall Street, went to law school, became a consultant maybe, or if you had grades and had an aptitude for science, maybe you went to med school. Uh, there weren't startups back then. Yeah. So was a trader and, you know, quickly found that uh, money did not buy happiness and, and, and felt fairly empty and, and went on left for the entrepreneurial path. And, uh, you know, years into that, I was running another startup, uh, an organic chocolate chip cookie company when we were in every Whole Foods market in the country. And I flew. Wait, what was the brand? 
Uh, Crummy Brothers, no, no longer around, unfortunately, but phenomenal organic chocolate chip cookies. Uh-huh. And uh, funny how I discovered wellness through cookies, um, <laughs> through sugar. Uh, but I flew over 150,000 miles domestic that year, you know, raising capital, uh, picking up business, you name it. And it was just a really tough time with the business. You know, raising capital was tough. You know, personally, I wasn't in a great financial situation. I was broke and uh, an old basketball injury combined with stress and then flying led to two extruded discs in my lower back pressing on my sciatic nerve. So I had excruciating sciatica in my right leg, literally pain shooting down the leg. I could not walk. I was lucky if I could do a few steps here and there. I'd just be keeling over in pain. It was terrible. Um, Went to a doctor. You know, did an MRI, X-ray, the whole workup, and he said you need back surgery. You know, try a cortisone shot; that might help. <laughs> uh, tried that, didn't do anything. Sought a second opinion. Uh, never saw surgery uh, as something that was, you know, terrible, but just something that I generally wanted to avoid. Yeah. So sought a second opinion. Uh, he said, "Listen, first doctor's right. You need surgery, but you know, maybe some yoga or therapy could help." And he almost said it like an afterthought. And so I, I started to practice yoga. I did very light yoga for like 10 to 15 minutes uh, daily in the morning and night. And what kind, may I ask? Just like really light restorative yoga, okay. like five or six poses for 10, 15 minutes tops um, and started to, to feel better over the course of weeks and over the course of months. I completely healed. So I never had back surgery. I am fine today. So I was like, holy cow, like everyone's got health wrong. You know, I, I was an athlete. Like I was always convinced that, you know, health was like uh, like the print magazine said. It was about vanity and weight loss and looking great. And, and I looked great at the time, but clearly I was a mess and falling apart. So, you know, led to this like process of searching and, and, and then read about like spirituality and the connection to health and things like stress and sleep and nutrition and the environment and all these things were connected and, you know, I made a lot of changes in my life. And and I was like, holy cow, like, everyone's got health wrong. Everyone thinks it's, you know, vanity, weight loss. But it's this lifestyle, mind, body, green. No <laughs> one's talking about this. And then I uh, found, found my two co-founders, got my wife to help, and, you know, launched the company. And that's how it started. It was a pure passion project. Well, those are sometimes the best kind. And, and now, yes. again, Mind Body Green, you guys are pumping out just enormous amounts of content. Well, I mean, how many people do you have now? We have, I think, 32 employees, I think. Close. Give or take, give or take a few. <laughs> okay. Um, and obviously now you're, you've, you've plunged yourself into this world of holistic health and, and wellness and happiness and everything. And then and, and how did the book come about? Yeah, so it's funny. I never planned on writing a book. So what happened was uh, two and a half years ago on my 39th birthday, I wrote a blog post, uh, very stream of consciousness, consciousness, woke up that morning and just like felt I had a blog post in me and wrote this post, 39 life lessons I've learned in 39 years and posted extraordinarily well, you know, went viral to some degree. And uh, we got an email to the general inbox at My Buddy Green from a literary agent saying, you know, I think I you know, saw the post, fan of the site, and I think if you expand upon these ideas, there's, there's possibly a book here. 
So I actually never wrote back. I thought this is this isn't a book; it's a blog post. You know, come on, I'm not I'm not naive here. Like I know how this works. Uh, so yeah, you were the, you were already sort of in the publishing business, right? Yeah, and like oh, it's a blog post. Like I can't do fifty thousand words. Are you kidding me? And then a few weeks later, she sent a package to the office with with a note saying, you know, I think, you know, once again, introducing herself, uh, her name's Linda Lowenthal, great literary agent, and said, you know, I really think there's something here. Here's a book. You should read it. I think it could be similar in structure. It was a, it was a bestseller. You know, take a look at it. And so I was traveling the next day and brought the book with me and I read the book on my flight. And I was like, holy shit, I think I could do this. <laughs> I see what she's talking about. And then met her. <laughs> And then that was it. And her, her advice to me, you know, my next problem was, okay, like I have enough trouble finding time in the day. Like how am I going to find time to write a book? And so I, uh, her advice was just write, you know, whenever you have time, write, don't edit, don't think too hard about it. Just, you know, write stream of consciousness writing and, and, you know, get back to me in the summer, the end of the summer. And so Every time I flew, which is still a lot, unfortunately, I still travel a lot, I would not do the in-flight Wi-Fi. I would just write and, you know, had 50,000 words and then worked with her on editing it and trimming it down and shaping it and then went out and, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's funny, actually. I rarely, really rarely will use in-flight Wi-Fi. And even more so, a lot of times I'll take a pen and paper on a plane. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it because I don't have a good practice of writing regularly. In fact, I, I for the most part, for my blog now, I basically send a one or two minute audio message to, uh, I have one particular writer who works with me and I just send him sort of like the idea and the thoughts and then he'll put it out there and it's been, it's good. But I just, for me, the practice of writing is not something that's uh, very available to me right now. So, sure. yeah. So when I'm on a plane, I think that that's a, it's a great opportunity. It's a great isolation. And then, yeah, even to write things out by hand, it's amazing what happens when you start actually writing by hand too. Oh, so. totally. And just like the, the ability to really disconnect is amazing. And it's something, you know, I think it's becoming harder and harder for us. There's really no escaping Wi-Fi anywhere. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> so, so obviously you talk about that in wealth, about the disconnect and stuff. So like give people sort of an overview of what the, you know, what the idea is. In terms of the book? The book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, cause, so, cause it's not, uh, well, we're, we're sure. recording this today on March 2nd and when does it sure. actually come out? It came out yesterday. Oh, March it did. 1st. Oh, congratulations. It's okay. It's Oh, thank you so much. Because yeah, uh, I've had it for a couple of weeks. So, so yes, you got the, the pre-advanced VIP yeah. copy. The book is a prescriptive memoir. And so what that means is it is somewhat a memoir. There are a lot of uh, personal stories, life lessons that I've learned over the years combined, you know, with the end of each chapter, some expert advice from people I really respect in the wellness world. And so, you know, the idea of the book was to be a gateway for, for what I call, you know, wealth. You know, getting people back to focusing on health and happiness. You know, when I was going through my own transformation, you know, my 20s looking for, you know, meaning, purpose, significance in my life, you know, I, I would be trapped in the self-help section, the health section. I'd read everything. And, you know, in many ways, this is the book I wish I had back then. And also the book, you know, I still, I think at any level you are in health and wellness, you'll get something out of it. Something, this idea of wealth and building a life, you know, not a resume, which is the subtitle, uh, is something I'm really passionate about. Just really want to spread that message and share my story. I think uh, I am remarkably unremarkable. I am, a, you know, with the exception of being six foot seven, I, I, you know, I think I'm a normal guy. 
and wanted to you know put together a book which I think it was relatable and, and a crossover book that people can you know share with their cousin who's trying to get you know trying to find purpose or trying to get healthier and also enjoy themselves so that was that was the idea of the book so what are some of the things that you that you suggest most people do got everything uh, <laughs> you know I, I, I in the book I sort of break it up into different pillars so i think there's 13 chapters you know it start with eat i'll just it's eat move work believe explore breathe feel love heal thank ground live and laugh so i start with eat yeah you know i think so much of 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 how we feel and 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 our health is on our plates it's what we put into our bodies and uh you know, a topic that I'm pretty passionate about and nutrition. And, you know, I think, you know, if you're, if you're suffering from serious health ailments, you do have to be, you know, very, very strict and, and, uh, you know, follow a really prescriptive diet that, that helps you heal. And I think that's possible. And I think, you know, you're a great example of that. Um, Thank you. Well, what, and what kind of diet do you follow by? I'm just curious. So for me, you know, I say I'm a conscious omnivore these days. And mm-hmm. so something I talk about in this book is I, I really believe there's no one size fits all diet for anyone, you know, but I do think there's some universal truths. So, you know, I think in terms of diet, you know, I say I'm six foot seven, I'm 225 pounds, I'm 41. Like I, I do yoga a couple times a week. I meditate. I go to the gym once a week. Like what works for me? How how the hell would that, you know, work for a 17 year old uh, five foot two gymnast right. who's, who's 90 pounds? Like, come on, you can't tell me we need the same, you know, the same diet. Like uh, and so I just think that idea is crazy, but I, I do think there are some universal truths. Uh, you know, I think sugar is terrible. Yeah, I uh, agree. I think, I think you'll agree. I, I think, you know, for most people it, it's, it should be a treat. And, and when you have the treat, enjoy it and you can make better choices there, but, you know, think it's terrible processed foods, not ideal. You know, it's a way, unfortunately it's a reality for some people, but, you know, try to avoid it. And, and I think for most people, you know, you have to find what works for you. And, and I, I'm a big believer in lifestyle. I think when you're, you know, unless you have to be rigid for health reasons, I think most people can run into trouble with rigidity because it, it's not sustainable. And you end up falling off the wagon huge and then you just never gain it back. And then you're sort of done. Yeah, exactly. And so that's a good point because, you know, then you get into like the orthorexia kind of thing, right? Where Absolutely. You're, yes. Yeah. And, and <laughs> And th- this is something that I struggle with a lot, actually. Uh, it w- more like explaining this to people is, first of all, somehow from my TED talk, people got the impression that I was that I was recommending veganism um, to overcome Crohn's. Yeah, and basically what I said in my talk was that I was a vegan for about a month and realized that that was not a good idea. And yep. um, and I, also in retrospect, I, I don't think I was doing the vegan diet the correct way, which requires way too much work for I think the average person anyway. Um, yep. So it, it, like. And then people also assume that I'm gluten free, which I'm not. Yeah. Um, but I don't eat white bread from you know, like I don't eat Wonder Bread. You know, I'll, yeah. it's it it's so there, there's like so many shades of gray when you're trying to explain this to people. And the biggest thing, as you said, is you have to individualize it, and people have to test uh, what works for them. But you're right; people fall into this problem where it's like, this is the diet, this is what I'm going to do, and then it doesn't work in a week, and then I'm done. Yep, and it drives me nuts because every health book out there is do this, do that. You know, it's right. very dogmatic, and, and I think as a culture, I think most people just say, you know, just tell me what to do. But you know, life in generally is not a tell me what to do uh, game. 
I think, you know, people fall into a trap there. You got to figure out what's, what works for you, you know, life in general. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so that, that that's that's uh, eating. Uh, there was one in there in, in the pillars that I particularly uh, like, which is ground. Yep. So how do you recommend people do that? Nature, yeah. So this idea of grounding and, and connecting with nature. So as I write in the book, I, you know, I am not a let's go hiking guy in the wilderness. I love New York City. I went, you know, I went to college here. I've lived here. I grew up on Long Island, but like I love New York City. I love an urban environment. One of my favorite things to do in the world is, you know, walk New York in a beautiful day or walk a great city. Like I don't love hiking. And, and what's been interesting for me is as I've uh, in the past couple of years, I've almost felt felt like a yearning for for nature, particularly like the beach, and you know, getting away and connecting with nature, particularly this process of grounding of, of literally like, you know, taking taking my shoes off and, and soaking, you know, feeling my feet in the sand and really digging in and feeling that connection to the earth, uh, which is just like amazing. I almost feel like I like I you know, right now it's it's early March in New York, and I'm like I'm like I feel like I need it. <laughs> I miss it. And, you know, there are, there are health benefits there, like this idea of grounding and, and you know, feeling the Earth's energy, like it's it's real. And uh, it's something as an urban walker who used to be a skeptic, uh, never in a million years thought I would really, uh, really need that <laughs> physically and spiritually. Well, yeah, and, and I, I, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And I, I we lived in the Hamptons for a full year, and and one of the things, and now we so we can we go back and forth a little bit. But what other thing? One of the things that I found so amazing for me then was that I would go down to the beach most mornings with my at the time I think two year old, and I would just walk on the beach barefoot, and it had such a profound effect. And it's like a lot of that stuff is very easy to be like, yeah, it's kind of wishy washy and woo woo. Yeah. yeah, you'll feel great someday. But I, that literally, like, I I would sink my feet into the sand, and it would just be amazing. Yeah. So yeah. there's something to that. And it is hard, I think, for people to find that sometimes in the uh, the sort of the urban jungle. But it is it's one of those things that is free and yeah. and has a really big effect. Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, one another one of the pillars, uh, love is there. So how do you, yeah. you know, not systematize it, but how do you <clears throat> sort of generally recommend that people achieve that? Sure. Love. Everyone wants it, right? Everyone wants. Everyone either wants to be in a relationship or wants a better relationship or thinks that someone else has a, a better relationship, which is often not the case. So, you know, in, in the love chapter, one of the things I talk about is this idea of soulmates. And you know, what I say there is I, I think we're, we're thinking about soulmates uh, all wrong. Lots of different opinions on soulmates, and so I, but, you know, my, my opinion is I, I think there are three types of soulmates, and we need to reframe our thinking there. And so, what I say is there there are two romantic types of soulmates and one platonic type of soulmate. So the first type of romantic soulmate, you know, is that person who helps us grow, the person who helps us get from point A to point B, the person who probably pushes our buttons, probably the person who. You know, we're super passionate with, but also, uh, you know, have terrible fights. Uh, you know, I say this isn't the person you're, you're meant to be with, but the person who's meant to be in your life at a certain point in time to help you grow and develop as a person. And, and so that, that's, that's what I call the first type of romantic soulmate. And the second type of romantic soulmate, you know, 
my belief is that it's it's the one you're meant to be with. It's the one who, rather than making you feel insecure, maybe like the first type, uh, makes you feel secure. You know, the one who I think helps you become a better person. The one who, you know, what I say is, you know, where one and one doesn't equal one and a half or two, or one and one equals three. You know, it's the type of person who I do think you can be with forever. Uh, the one that I think everyone wants. And the third type of soulmate is the platonic soulmate. And so, you know, th this, this I think is interesting. I think that most people don't recognize this. I think it's the type of soulmates that, that are abundant in all of our lives. It's that friend who you've known forever, who you could, you know, not speak to for years and all of a sudden run into and pick up where you left off. It's those, those people who you really connect with, you know, in your life who, you know, help you, that help you feel better, who you feel good around, you know, you, you feel that great energy from them. And, you know, I, I think they're abundant. And I think generally, you know, this idea of soulmates, uh, we need to reframe our thinking. I think, you know, soulmates are abundant in our lives. Uh, we shouldn't be operating from, you know, a deficiency there or a belief in deficiency. I think they're abundant. And, you know, I, I just think it's, a concept which a lot of people, you know, think of as okay, it's a is, is it the forever soulmate, and that's it, and are they our soulmate or not? I just think we need to like rethink how we think about that period. Yeah, well, so have have you or do you have those three types of soulmates in your life? Sure, I've had you know the first the first kind. I've had a couple of those, uh, you know, ones that you know was in love with and had these you know passionate crazy relationships you know and and in retrospect you know totally the, the the right people at the right time to to help me grow uh, as a person to learn about life to learn about relationships and love and so forth and i wouldn't be the person today if i if those people hadn't been in my lives and you know one of those things when you're in the middle of that it's sort of hard to recognize uh Although I do think when you're in those types of relationships, one question I get a lot is like, how do you know if you're in that like sort of like that, that the first type of soulmate? And I say, you know, really, you know, listen to your gut. Your gut is never wrong. If your gut's telling you, you know, something may be off here or this isn't feeling right or you have those moments where, you know, you know maybe ready to walk away here. Something is probably off. Uh and, and so, yes, I've had that. And, and, you know, the second type of soulmate, you know, is my wife. You know, I have an incredible wife, Colleen, who is, I've been married to for almost seven years and have an incredible relationship. And, um, you know, I think having an experience with a couple of the, the first kinds, I, I, I sort of knew uh, intuitively that, that I had something special and different. And the third kind, I think, you know, lots of those. Well, somebody needs to create a dating site for people that push your buttons but take you from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly, yeah. <laughs> yes. But I think we've all had those. Yeah, absolutely. Right? We've all had those. Absolutely. Uh, there's no question. Um, and, and thinking about it now, too, I, I, at least in my life, I've had those in, in, in a, a sort of a a reverse order, I feel like in some ways, which is okay. You can have the, from what, from what you're describing, it makes total sense. And I know very clearly the people in my life who have been like that. And I, I know that I've definitely had the uh, second kind before the first kind and then the second kind again. And yeah, um, so 
That's, yep. I think that's a very good way of looking at it. It's, a, it's an important way to approach it, that it's not just black and white. Again, there's the shades of gray, right? One thing doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> yeah, and I'll add, too, you know, <laughs> this idea that a soulmate's going to complete you, I think, is totally false. I think, you know, you can never be happy in a relationship unless you're happy with yourself. And it's sort of, you know, there's the rub. You know, a soulmate's not going to complete you. A soulmate will make you better. And, like, once, once you become fulfilled individually, I think that's when... Uh, you know, that that relationship you're looking for will enter, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, like, it's like the anti-Jerry Maguire line. As I said in another interview, like, you complete me. I just don't think that's... I think, I think the line should be more appropriate, you know. You make me a lot better. Right, <laughs> right. And I'd like to be doing. I'd like to keep doing that, please. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Well, so we're we're almost out of time here. So the last question that I always like to ask on these interviews is, what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? Oh wow, uh, you know I am a big believer in listening to your intuition. Always, always, always listen to your gut. Uh, your gut will never fail you. I think when you, in my experience, anytime I've gone against my gut, it's been disastrous. Uh, so I think to be, to be more effective, do, do more thinking with your heart, okay, your gut and less with your head. Very easy to say, hard to do, especially for type A's. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I would also say find some sort of stress reduction practice that works for you i think stress is a killer i think stress is connected to everything and i think no matter where you are in your life no matter how successful or 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 how terrible things are uh we all have stress and it manifests itself in different ways and you know stress never goes away it changes and it tends to manifest itself in weak parts of your body that's been my personal experience and i think finding something that works for you to help you know help you deal with stress better is is huge um and then uh you know to also i think to be more effective uh to me i think i'm a big believer in passion and i think when we prioritize passion we just tend to be more effective we tend to get more stuff done we tend to do it better uh, we tend to do you know relationships better. We tend to do fitness better. Wh- whatever it may be, like I, I think we as human beings uh, are just a lot more effective when we prioritize passion. And so those those are the three things I'll leave you with. Well, those are great. Um, and so we're gonna have all this in the show notes. But please tell people where they can find out more about you and get the book and everything. Awesome. Wealth.mindbodygreen.com. Uh, you can pick it up at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, lots of great independent bookstores. But uh, I hope you can check it out. It's a great book, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you, and congratulations on the book. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ari. It's a pleasure to be with you. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we'd love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell, and mine is at Felix Bird. 
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.